Hey, hey, it's PHNX Cardinals on a Tuesday. Johnny Venerable, Bo Brock. We're talking off-season depth charts, my man. The wide receiver variety. Tons of stuff going on with the Arizona Cardinals. First and foremost, welcome, my friend. Welcome, Johnny Venerable. Welcome, everybody that's been sitting in the chat and getting ready for this show to go live. And we are live. We got a, uh, It's an intriguing group, and it's the big pink elephant in the room, DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, that is the main conversation point as far as this, how this group's going to start the season, at least like, are they going to have the hop is Nuke going to be wearing a different uniform. It seems like speculation continues to ramp up, but like, it's basically all, all smoke, no fire. Right. It's like, there, there's not a whole lot as far as movement on DeAndre Hopkins, you know, Ian Rappaport said it was fluid today. He wasn't uh, really willing to say anything definitive about D hop. And then you have, you know, who everybody would say is the main suitor, right? Trade suitor for the Arizona Cardinals. One of their top players who's been very vocal as far as trying to get DeAndre Hopkins in a Buffalo Bills uniform. Von Miller saying, you know, he is still optimistic. He's hopeful, quote, he's optimistic that Brandon Bean, the GM there in Buffalo, will get it done. Yeah, it's interesting. Fluid, I would agree with that. I think it is fluid. I think it's much more fluid than... Monty Austin Ford and DeAndre Hopkins made it be known after the draft where it felt like, oh, maybe he's going to stick around. And now we're kind of back into that same rut that we found ourselves, Bo, in February and March, where maybe both parties are going to be actively discussing finding a trade partner. Um, what I think it's, it's going to be difficult when you think about pre-June 1st and post-June 1st. If the Cardinals are able to trade him, I think pre-June 1st, they don't have any dead money allocations in 2024. Is that correct? So if they were to trade him after June one, then mm -hmm. they would carry some of that money into next season, which we know they don't want to do. Um, but I also contend like the further you get away from this draft, you get closer to the season, the more likely teams are going to be open-minded to trading draft capital next year, especially these contending teams, right? Yeah. They, they haven't put together nearly, you know, enough information on the players for this fall. A team like Buffalo would make sense if they're going all in to contend in the AFC. It's like, yeah, let's give up a pick or two to go get DeAndre Hopkins. And now you crank up the intensity for every OTA, mini camp, voluntary, mandatory training camp. It's like, oh, is this our group? We need another piece. Let's go and be active, proactive, and get another piece. So I it feels like every day, with each passing day, we get another snippet of somebody not affiliated with the Cardinals trying to cork, coax the Cardinals into trading away DeAndre Hopkins, although it just hasn't happened yet. Yeah, you know, I was I joined Jody Ayler this morning on Fox Sports 910, and he hilariously put it as DeAndre Hopkins is in an open relationship with the Arizona Cardinals. And that, that's... Yeah. Things get tricky, right? If, if this continues, like this, these conversations, the, when he jumps on podcasts and he's basically openly talking about joining another team, leaving his current partnership with the Arizona Cardinals, like it's going to become a little bit trickier as the days grow on. And yeah. at some point, you know, and Kyle Odegaard uh, put it out an article today, kind of uh, getting us back to neutral as far as this conversation goes, brought up the Albert Breer, you know, speculation that teams could be waiting for DeAndre Hopkins to be just outright released to free up the cap space, eat some dead cap space, and put themselves in a position to roll over more money in 2024. It's interesting, and it's like all cards are on the table as far as DeAndre Hopkins goes, just because there just was no resolution uh, when you thought it was going to happen. And I've, I'll stand by, like, I think that there are certain checkpoints that you can start to look forward to. And, and you were doing this, you know, before the draft is like draft night was your next chance to trade DeAndre Hopkins. Nothing materialized. It was, it was so talks were so dead and, and there was no momentum that Monty Osfort basically called it day one of the draft. Yeah. And hasn't really revisited it. And now you've got June 1st as a checkpoint and then you've got post June 1st and then you've got training camp. We'll see how people start, you know, gearing up towards the preseason, how the preseason goes, and if there's any major injuries to any wide receiver core. But, you know, you're still staring down potentially as, as, a, as a team that would be looking at DeAndre Hopkins taking on $19 million. But, you know, yeah. to Kyle's point today, I mean, the, the, as far as $17 million is what you pay some top-tier wide receivers on average – it's not much more, but it's tough at this point in the offseason to add a salary of that size 
uh, just through trade and say, hey, let's make it work with your 90 man basically in 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 place for your preseason training camp. Yeah, I they look at 2024, not to, to, to disparage 2023, because um, we got a lot in time to talk about and break down 2024, but they look at next year as kind of like this gem, right? And they don't want anything to tarnish that gem. And I think anything in relation to DeAndre Hopkins' monies and salary handing over and, and carrying over, I should say, to 2024 is not ideal. They are being proactive, assets, cash, accumulating um, things of value in terms of allowing them flexibility for next offseason for free agency in the draft. They do not want a bunch of dead money from DeAndre Hopkins. Does that lead them to release him? I still, I mean, I, I think it's going to be a cold, dark place in hell for this franchise if they outright cut DeAndre Hopkins. That's a, that's a terrible look for the franchise, especially when you had all this time to try to get a deal done. But do you take 30 cents on the dollar, 60 cents on the dollar? Uh, Austin Ford was adamant after the draft, like they're not in the business of giving away great players. So I, it would be a very tough sell for a franchise that a lot of people are skeptical on, including our friends at ESPN. We're going to talk about here in our, our second segment. If you cut DeAndre Hopkins, like what's the messaging that you give to your fan base? Because fans can see draft capital. They can theorize, oh, that's X player. We're going to do this with that. Yeah. We're going to make a move. But cutting for salary, even if it's future salary, that's a tough sell. But yeah. with, each, with each passing day, Bo, it does feel like I, I was of the mindset after the draft, I'm like 70, 30 is going to be on the roster when the season kicks off. Now I feel mm -hmm. like 30, 70, like th this is, I think, getting uglier by the week. Yeah, but he here's the thing. I think it throws in shades of gray, right? Instead of it just yeah. being black and white to where the initial report, our guy Jordan Schultz saying in January – that you know, Michael Bidwell was talking talking to potential GM candidates and saying, "Hey, we'd like to try to trade DeAndre Hopkins." And it seemed like it was coming from the team wanting to move DeAndre Hopkins to take one of their few assets going into a reset and and, and turn them into future assets, right? And accumulate right. those as far as future draft capital potentially and cap space. But now, as as the days go on. You know, the nuance turns into, does DeAndre Hopkins want to be here? If DeAndre Hopkins is given the chance to make his robust salary and, and return to his X position in the wide receiver, the route tree, and be wide receiver one for whether Colt McCoy or Clayton Toon or when Kyler Murray comes back, like, is, is would he take that option? Because that that's the, that's the option that you know, without a doubt, is going to get him paid top dollar. Like, he's not going to go somewhere and they're going to give him a new contract where he's going to get more money now than he would get playing for the Arizona Cardinals in 2023. Well, and I can tell you, too, like, Mr. J in the chat, I feel like this is a big sentiment from fans where the offseason started and it was overwhelmingly, we got to keep D-Hop. And now it's, I'm I'm kind of over this. I never wanted a, uh, players on my team, if they don't want to be here, it's impossible to root for them. And that's, that's kind of what I've been alluding to every time we see Hopkins go on a different podcast or show or, or media outlet, basically say, I'd love to go with Josh Allen. I'd love to right. do this, that, and the other. I'd love to go to Kansas City. And it's like, I, I get it, DeAndre Hopkins. You're not infatuated with playing with the Cardinals this year. You don't want to catch passes from Colt McCoy. But there's a lot of people who would, who would pay big money, are going to pay big money to watch you play football if you're on this team. And they're bringing their 8- to 10-year-olds to these games to watch uh, you know, a future Hall of Famer play. That does hold some monetary value for the Cardinals and Michael Bidwell. And but I'm with you. Like we know def pretty definitively, like the Cardinals actively held out DeAndre Hopkins those final couple games at the end of the year, in part because they wanted to keep their asset, you know, valuable. But I also think, and I, I wouldn't dis discredit this. I think this is legitimate. The Cardinals' perception may have changed after Austin Ford pulled off that heist for the third overall pick, and we talked about it on draft night after the fact. You're not as desperate now to go get a second or a future second or a third or a future third. Mm -hmm. You heisted the Houston Texans for their one next year, which we're going to find out here in a little bit, is worth its weight in gold. Like whatever you get for DeAndre Hopkins pales in comparison to what sure. you heisted the Houston Texans for. So I think I I think it's less about the pick and more about can we can we salvage this relationship and make it doable to start the year. Or how do we get rid of the money? Because I we know they don't want to carry that money into 2024. Right, right. No, it, it would be a strike against Monty Austin for it. If they ended up outright releasing him, 
you know, you look at the pros and cons from this, his first off season as Arizona Cardinals head coach, it's like pros, the heist of the Houston Texans uh, moving down from three to 12 pros, getting your guy moving up and getting your guy, Paris Johnson jr. Moving up from 12 to six and getting him getting premier pl- position players, you know, in the first three selections of your draft, yeah. you know, up from, you know, tackle to pass rusher and BJ Ujolari to cornerback and Garrett Williams out of Syracuse, their first third round pick, and then getting Michael Wilson at the back end of the third round wide receiver position that could be, you know, a potential successor, a part of the solution as a successor to post DeAndre Hopkins wearing Arizona Cardinals uniform. But then you have the tampering. This Don't, don't pick up the phone and, and break NFL rules when you're going to talk to a guy that you probably are going to talk to. You know, you're going to get an opportunity right. to talk to Gannon, but then you ended up, you know, giving it, what was it? You had to concede about 28 picks or something like mm-hmm. that uh, to the Philadelphia Eagles uh, because of tampering with JG. And then you've got this, where if, if you outright release a guy like DeAndre Hopkins, you know, I see – you know that there might not be any resolution to this, and is irreconcilable differences as far as divorce goes, as far as where it is right now, and is there a future between the two parties, the Cardinals and DeAndre Hopkins? But you know, it, it's it's regardless of what what happens, like if he's outright released, it's just it's it's a strike. I I, I, I don't think there's any way you can you can get around it. I mean, is it a necessary strike? Are you are you taking it? It's just a heater right down the middle, and you're just like, I'm just going to get him the next pitch. But yeah. regardless, it's not a good look for the organization. It's not. But in turn, if if DeAndre Hopkins isn't on this roster, Bo Brock, that turns your attention to another high-profile receiver in Hollywood Brown, which brings us to our show title and our main topic of discussion. You know, can Hollywood Brown, who was acquired for a first-round pick last year by Steve Kime, can he still become that wide receiver one for the Arizona Cardinals? And if there's no, if there's no DeAndre Hopkins, he needs to. Um, you, you think about... Okay, when he's been able to stay healthy and he looks like he's put on some mass and some weight this year, he's a consistent 1,000-yard receiver. He was on pace for career highs last year, even without Kyler Murray for some of that stretch, um, to do to do good things. And so we go into now our predictions for the Arizona Cardinals depth chart as it relates to Hollywood Brown, D-Hop, and everybody else. And let's go ahead and bring up the pool of candidates, Bullbrock, mm-hmm. that it could make up for. And uh, we just mentioned aforementioned Hollywood Brown D hop with a big fat asterisk bow, potentially not being on the team. So I, I think it starts and ends with can Hollywood Brown get a true extension from this franchise, this organization, this front office that didn't draft him uh, and didn't trade for him, but can he signify the, a, a, a pivotal building block for this, for this team? You think about where everybody's putting their eggs in the uh, Marvin Harrison junior basket, rightfully so. But you need multiple receivers, and Hollywood yeah. Brown is a capable receiver. He's still in his prime in his mid-20s. I, I think the conversation starts and ends with, if you think D-Hop is gone, Hollywood Brown's number one this year. Yeah, and he's got more incentive than even DeAndre Hopkins to get out there and play his best football. As you mentioned, yeah. I mean, before that that brutal fluke kind of foot injury that he suffered you know, in a meaningless fourth-quarter drive against the Seattle Seahawks, you know, those first few games, he was on pace for over 120 catches, which would be top three in the league, right? He was up at the top of the league in targets, over four, you know, nearly 1,400 yards receiving on pace for, and eight touchdowns. I mean, those are those are wide receiver one fringe numbers right there, if yeah. not just straight out wide receiver one numbers. So 25 years old, relationship with your quarterback. We'll see you know, how this organization views the wide receiver position as far as will they pay, you know, pretty top dollar for it i don't expect him to get you know like top five wide receiver number but a good chunk of change to remain an arizona cardinal but he's got to prove it and uh he he's got this it looks like he's taking it seriously because he was out there on the practice field it visibly just right to the to the naked eye he looks bigger he looks like he's he's geared up for a solid training camp and and going through a preseason into a, a regular season with a new coaching staff and i think hollywood brown and the franchise tag could be a, a match made in heaven if if you want to continue to quote unquote date Hollywood Brown, right? You you mentioned D Hop's in an open relationship. Let's let's <laughs> not put a, a ring on it yet, Hollywood Brown. Let's see if you can do it for two years under Drew Petzing. I wouldn't hate that, um, but I, I do think he's the default wide receiver one for this team this year, assuming Hopkins is playing elsewhere, which I, I think it would lead you to believe, based on all the evidence, that he will be. 
Um, and I think Hollywood Brown, we saw it last year with Colton. I think he can be efficient without Kyler Murray. Yeah. He was efficient in an offense in Baltimore that was run dominant. I know he had Lamar Jackson, but he had a couple of years with some backups mixed in with, with Lamar Jackson not being healthy. And uh, to me, though, Hollywood Brown undersized, that's that's a problem when you look at some of the other undersized receivers. And follow me where I'm going with this, Bose. We've talked about it at nauseum. The offense they want to run is built on size. It's built on separation but it's mm -hmm. built on being physical. It's the yeah. opposite of the Cliff Kingsbury approach. And if you're going to compromise by having Hollywood Brown, a part of your receiving court, because his talent is so immense, that's really your one check that you get for an undersized receiver. You can't yeah. have the all five, seven squad out there. Like you did last year with all right. due respect it, to Rondell Moore and company. It just wasn't, it wasn't, it didn't work, especially it no. didn't work in the red zone. Um, but when we look at this great uh, this great visual right here, if you're just watching on YouTube, you obviously see it. But for the podcast listener, DeAndre Hopkins, Hollywood Brown, Rondell Moore, Greg Dorch, Zach Pascal, uh, Michael Wilson, Javon Wims, Auden Tate, Andre Bacellia, Daniel uh, Arias, and Brian Cobbs, who they just added to the roster last week at a Utah State. Um, I see some guys down this list, you know, in Pascal and Wilson, who I think just due to their size – can move up a depth chart and move up, you know, seeing some significant snaps over guys who were kind of the incumbents here in, in Rondell Moore and Greg Dorch. And I saw some people asking about Rondell Moore, you know, as, as far as his health, he was out there. He looked spry. He looked healthy. He looked good. Uh, Rondell Moore coming off. He told you and I at the Super Bowl radio row, he had his groin worked on both sides of his groin worked on. He had that nasty pinky uh, situation fixed. So he had, you know, two procedures done. He looks like he's good for, you know, but then you you take that with a grain of salt as far as Rondell Moore being healthy. But Hollywood Brown, like when we talk about relationship status with Hollywood Brown, like he is a guy on paper when you look at the stats, you know, I think he's somebody that would you would match up partner-wise, but there's just there's something there that doesn't allow you to fully commit to Hollywood Brown, right? To, to truly put a ring on it, right? Isn't yeah. it? I mean, I don't know if yeah. it's the size. I don't know if it's the drops. I don't know if it's that he played in Baltimore and, and it had some high profile. Uh, his game was put maybe more under a microscope than some of these, these other wide receivers, but it, it, there is just a little hesitation and like a lot of us asking him for him to prove it this season. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I, but I, I still think in turn, if we're talking about just 2023, like he's your number one go-to receiver um, at that position. But then you start to look at the rest of the depth chart, Bo Brock, and you just mentioned Zach Pascal. I think he is a almost guaranteed lock to start. He's got familiarity with Jonathan Gannon. He's got size. He's rocking the number zero. They're already <laughs> talking about him being a leader in the locker room. I think presumably he's going to start at slot receiver. I would not be surprised, though, Bo, if they dabble with him out at Y receiver, if Hollywood Brown's playing X or vice versa, just to get some size there, because here's the predicament that they're in. You know, I'm not a Rondell Moore guy. I'm a Greg Dorch guy. Well, if you're going to get Greg Dorch on the field, you got to get him on the field underneath in the slot receiver position. That can't be tied up by Zach right. Pascal then. So who's right. your other outside receiver? Is it Michael Wilson? That's asking a lot. Right. Mm -hmm. So you're going to have to get creative. And I think they will. I think we talked about it yesterday. It's like they're going to have a lot of two tight ends. Who knows? Trey McBride could be split out wide and Zach Ertz could have his hand in the dirt or vice versa. But I, I think there's a possibility that Zach Pascal could play outside receiver, especially on rundowns when you need him to 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 run block. I think he's got immense physicality as a run blocking wide receiver. He's missed one career game um, in his NFL career. Just a blue collar player in the best yeah. sense, a lunch pail guy. Yeah. Um, that I think, like, if if we just if we're picking three spots, right? X, Y, and Z, the slot receiver. I'm going to go on a limb right now. I think Zach Pascal has a chance to play outside receiver opposite Hollywood Brown. Yeah, X and Z. Y is is uh, excuse me. Yeah, yeah. Usually reserved for for the tight ends or H backs, but yeah, X and Z and slot. That's really what we're looking at here. And, and I think Pascal, when you look at his career numbers, even though, you know, it's a slight edge, it's about right down the middle. Like he, yeah. he, he's played in the slot. He's been successful in the slot. Um, but you've got Dorch, who was primarily in the slot last year where he had all his success, to your point. And then Rondell Moore, we've seen him play outside. We've seen him get wide. And then we've seen him also have, you know, some nice success in the slot. So, you know, 
it, it matches up with what this coaching staff's looking for across the board in versatility. But like, who, who are going to be the guys that you're going to rely upon? Who are you going to look to to run out there uh, if you're going to maybe play a little? Uh, what you know, maybe eleven personnel. Uh, you mentioned they'll they'll definitely get to play some twelve uh, with double tight ends. So it'll be interesting to see how it looks. But you know, I I can't get away from. This just as much as I hear this coaching staff talk about versatility, like to diversify this this wide receiver core. Like I just don't think that there's any way. Like if they do move off to DeAndre Hopkins, that the wide receiver core is going to look like Hollywood Brown at X or Z, or and then you know Rondell Moore and Greg Dortch. It's just you you need a little bit more size there uh, for success. So like who moves in? Like Pascal is the opportunity, and, and then Michael Wilson right out of yep. the gates. Well, yeah. Listen, we talked about after the draft, some of the benefits of drafting these guys, albeit these these hurt guys or these guys maybe that are under the radar, is they played a lot of collegiate snaps. Like Michael Wilson conceivably should be ready for a role. Like if if you're taking a, a, a top 100 talent and you're selling to this fan base that the only reason he can go higher is because he's hurt and he's healthy now. Well, then I should just plug you in as a player that should be healthy and able to contribute right away. I'm not going to treat you with kid gloves. Mm-hmm. If you're a top 100 pick, you need to be assumed that you're in the same ballpark as these other receivers that are going to come in and buy him for starting jobs. Now, do I think Michael Wilson's going to have that easy of a transition? I do not. I think it's going to be a work in progress. I'd love to be proven wrong, but I think he's going to get his welcome to the NFL moment. But uh, throw him out there, see if he's got opportunities, especially in the red zone. I'll tell you what, though. I think you know, and this is not tongue in cheek. People have alluded to it in the chat. You guys are keeping it fire on the chat, by the way. Mm-hmm. Keep those comments coming here on a Tuesday. I think this is it for Rondell Moore. I, 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 you cannot be fooled by the explosiveness that you get once in a blue moon and then the unavailability, right? And it all it will take is one time if this coaching staff says, okay, we've got this package for Rondell. It's looking great. He's doing great. Then he hurts himself. And he's in the training room. He hasn't been a healthy player consistently since 2018. I'm not knocking the guy for that. That's just a fact of the, the the reality. We talked to him during Super Bowl week, Bo, and he was adamant. He's like, I'm going to make the necessary changes. I'm, you know, he, I think he made some messaging on taking his treatment off season a little bit differently, reshaping how he does things in an effort to try to stay healthy. And that's great. And I I want him to prove everybody wrong. But you know, fool me once, shame on. You know, you fool me twice, shame on me. I, I can't trust no. Rondell Moore to be a starting receiver for this team. And you can talk about sunken draft capital. It's a prior regime mistake. It was a mistake yeah. to take him over Creed Humphreys. Everybody knows that now. I think anything you get from him is a bonus, but you would be a complete fool. And I don't think Drew Petzing is to put him as a starting receiver only to be, you know, taken back when he's inactive on Sunday. You You just you can't do that to this team anymore it's over if rondell moore can buck the narrative that he's an he's a he's a training room guy if he can stay healthy he, he's the type of guy that stands out on the practice field and and will endure himself to the new coaching staff I, i'll tell yeah. you that like i you know that no one's it, saying it, he doesn't work hard yeah, i don't think i think hard. yeah but i i just think he's he's just one of those type of athletes that that is I he pops he, he makes you raise your eyebrows out there on the playing field like he, yeah. he he's, as far as his quickness but I mean when you look at his season last year sandwiched in between a hamstring injury and a groin injury you know he if you just if you uh, extrapolate his numbers over seventeen games oh don't don't do that to yourself it's a hundred <laughs> catch thousand yard receiving season. I- I was at the game two years ago against Minnesota where Kyler Murray spun out of the pocket and hit him downfield for like seven yards. It's yeah. maybe one of the greatest plays I've ever seen live. And I remember the training camp leading up to that season two years ago, everybody was talking about Rondell Moore. So we've all been we've all been played a fool to some degree. Remember the play so, against uh, against the the Rams, Colt McCoy under center or in the shotgun at this point. Yeah. Big fourth down play. He split out wide. They go deep, and Rondell Moore is on the receiving end of that play. Like he made yeah. a big play. It, it's just the biggest thing with Rondell Moore is staying healthy. And you just you can't, you know, it's it's. Impo- I think it would be naive of us to to try to predict that you know he's going to stay healthy for the first time since 2018, his freshman yeah. year with the yeah. Boilermakers in Purdue. So you know it takes us to making our predictions. But obviously, you know, predict pre- trying to predict things. It's just like making a big bet with BetMGM, right, Johnny? It is. Yeah. You know, I'm going to bet that people aren't going to love my list and that's fine, but you can make (laughs) bets for yourself. I I cashed in yesterday with our friends at BetMGM. 
the Nuggets money line, never a doubt. The Fraud Lakers. See ya. Uh, best <laughs> of luck to our friends at DMVR and uh, DMVR Nuggets. Well-deserved. We've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks. We've got special offers for our listeners each and every week. Every Saturday and Wednesday, you can claim your bonus bet on at the house, but you better use it or you lose it 72 hours. So do not wait. Bonus bets, they give me life. It's like Christmas morning. I log in. I get a boosted bet, and I go to work with my friends at BetMGM. Again, we've got our Knockout Nights Cornhole League, first Friday of every month, May through August. Specials, giveaways, BetMGM prizes, and more. If you haven't signed up with our friends at BetMGM yet, what are you waiting for? We're going to be there every single Sunday during the fall for the NFL season. But in the meantime, download the BetMGM app. Use that bonus code PHNX. There's a few offers depending on where you live, Bo Brock. But for our friends and family here in Arizona, our Arizona audience, you're going to get up to 100 in bonus bets on your first wager with BetMGM. Again, make sure you use that bonus code PHNX. Check out the show notes for full details. And now listen to Shane Diefenbach talk about it in the disclaimer. Disclaimer 21 plus to wager. Visit betmgm.com for terms and conditions. U.S. promotional offers not available in Washington, D.C., Mississippi, Nevada, New York, and Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Colorado, D.C., Illinois, Indiana, Louisiana, Maryland, Mississippi, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Wyoming. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369, New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP-ARIZONA, 1-800-522-4700, Kansas, Nevada, 1-800-327-5050, Massachusetts, 1-800-BETS-OFF, Iowa, 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help, Michigan. I can't wait to hear Johnny's prediction for the Arizona Cardinals starting wide receivers. But uh, while he was doing that read, I was scrolling the gram, taking a look at our friends over at Four Peaks Brew, and they have me salivating over this delicious-looking Staycation IPA. It's the uh, Lotus Top Super Juicy IPA. They got a little pool behind it. I mean, it just encapsulates Arizona right there. I mean, it's Four Mm -hmm. Peaks. It's our great state. Everybody uh, obviously gets poolside this time of year. Absolutely. And why not try one of their new brews there, the Super Juicy IPA? Uh, or you, you could go the old Steady Kilt Lifter. Kilt Lifter, their flagship there. You like maybe the wheat beer. How about the number one wheat beer in Arizona, the Wow Wheat? It's unbelievable. We love our partnership with Four Peaks because they're woven within the fabric of this great state. They've been around for 25 years, celebrating 25 years here in the Valley. Go check out their OG location. It's great. It's out there in Tempe, 8th Street. Uh, but make sure you're following them on social. See these uh, delicious uh, new products that they're pushing out there. They had to thank a teacher uh, situ- or just promotion going on where they gave to some great teachers out there. Make sure you're following at Four Peaks Brew. You can get in on getting some D-backs tickets and some D-bucks to an upcoming Diamondbacks game. There's a link in the description at Four Peaks Brew on Instagram and also for- follow them at Four Peaks Pub on Twitter. I'm on all your socials. Drink their great beer. Got to be 21 years or older. And of course, got to drink it responsibly. The time has come. We're going to make our predictions as to what the starting three will be for the Arizona Cardinals receiving core. Mr. Sean DePaz, can we see that graphic one more time? I'm going to go first, Bo Brock. All right. Uh, we're, going to, we're going to rip the bandit off. I think it's going to be the aforementioned Hollywood Brown. I think it's going to be Zach Pascal. And I think it's going to be Greg Dortch. I think Greg Dortch has earned it. I think Greg Dortch, how, how can you not be impressed with what that young man has done? He's got the it factor that I'm, I'm going to be frank is Rondell Moore doesn't have. It's called toughing it out. How many times did we see him go down and it felt like, oh, he's going to miss some time. He's back in the lineup. You, you need players like Greg Dorch. I, I'm I'm bullish on Greg Dorch. I think if Greg Dorch had not been stymied by Cliff Kingsbury last year, you're looking at a seven to 900 yard receiver last year. Made people miss against San Francisco. Really underrated tape. I don't care how big or small he is. I'm bullish on Greg Dorch. They brought in Zach Pascal for a reason, and Hollywood Brown is going to be the default number one receiver. I think this group is enough. You pepper in some Michael Wilson and Rondell Moore when the time is right. You got your tight ends. Maybe they get a a pass-catching running back in Kareem Hunt. Wouldn't hate that. But the big three to trot out, Hollywood Brown, Greg Dorch, and uh, Zach Pascal. Yeah, this is this is both coming with you and I, assuming that DeAndre Hopkins won't suit up week one for the Arizona Cardinals. In in several different scenarios, in, one could be like a Jay Crowder situation with where he's he's on the roster or part of the organization, but they've just decided it might be best not to to take the field with the team, uh, or he might have been dealt. I don't know, but uh, Hollywood Brown, I think, is is the one that you can predict right now. You can probably even just sharpie it in that if he stays healthy, he's going to be a starting wide receiver on this team, and then it gets a a little murkier here. I mean, obviously, you've got. Rondell Moore, who I said that if he stays healthy, is somebody that pops on the practice field. 
But I think that this new this new uh, front office and this new coaching staff, both of them are tied to Zach Pascal. I think Zach Pascal, they're going to put him in the position that he thrives in. I think he's your slot receiver to start things. And then when I'm looking at across the street, uh, field from Hollywood Brown, who I've got as my ex here, I think Z, I think Michael Wilson has a very good chance to earn this wow. spot. Wow. As a third round, they, they're obviously infatuated enough with him to, to select him in the third round, despite the lack of production at Stanford, despite being able to put get on the playing field. I think they like his size. I think they like his athleticism and they love his route running ability. I, I, I think that's the only guy that fits the best. Uh, with his size, it's six two to play that position. But I don't disagree with you that Pascal could could maybe bump out wide and play that position. So I've got Hollywood, Zach Pascal, and then Michael Wilson. I just I think you got to give Greg Dorch opportunities, especially you think about what Greg Dorch does really well. He separates right. He was one yeah. of the top three to five separating receivers last year when he got on the field. Well, who needs separation? Colt McCoy. You need to allow Colt McCoy to be able not to throw people open, to hit open targets in the underneath to intermediate passing game. Hollywood Brown is your big play receiver downfield, but I think what Greg Dortch and Zach Pascal present, Pascal averages about 10, 11 yards per catch, and then Greg Dortch last year did some nice stuff underneath. I'm not talking about Cliff Kingsbury screen game dump-offs. I'm talking about 5, 7, 10, 12 yards downfield. I think that's the sweet spot. Keep the chains moving. No, no risk it, no biscuit. Big play offenses of the past, I think, are going to have to take a back seat, at least in the early portion of 2023 and maybe the entirety of the season as you wait for Kyler Murray to come back, Bo. The offense should be methodical. It should have purpose. Not every drive has to end in points, but the drives can't emulate what we saw last year. Three and out, 90-second, 120-second drives. It's, okay, can we get a couple first downs? Can we play field position? Can we give our defense a break? This is going to be a running team on first and second yeah. down, probably in a lot of games. Well, if that's the case, how much can Rondell Moore help you? I would I would argue not very much. I I, I didn't think there there was an opportunity for Rondell Moore to be dealt during the draft, but I I think that what if we had to keep DeAndre Hopkins, right? And you, but somebody wanted to come calling for Rondell Moore, and they had an opportunity mm-hmm. for him. I don't think that they would would turn away a potential suitor for Rondell if somebody wanted to give you. A fourth, fifth, sixth round pick for Rondell Moore. I know it's pennies on the dollar. I think you'd have to consider it. I think I yeah. think give him an opportunity to go elsewhere because it's clear outside of Kyler Murray and Greg Dorch and Hollywood Brown, like they want big people. They right. want six foot and above. Go look at. We've talked about this at nauseum Bowl. Look at Cleveland's offense last year with Drew Petsing, Jacoby Brissett, huge man. Their wide receivers, Amari Cooper, Donovan Peoples Jones, their tight end David Njoku. All over six foot. They didn't have one underneath six foot receiver on their starting lineup last year, and they ran the football effectively. So, if you take all of that, especially when you mix it in Tennessee, big receivers, Philadelphia, big receivers, San Francisco, that we know they want to emulate big receivers. I know the Cardinals tried to do some fun little trend of track stars under six foot. That's mm-hmm. not the way the NFL, it's not how this new regime is going to do things. Yeah, it wasn't innovative. It didn't like create a little niche, you know, success for for the organization. It, it just, it you could see that there was, uh, you know, as far the defense felt like they had the, the advantage to where they could be a little bit more physical. And, and they certainly took away all the big plays from this offense that we saw in 2021 and, and in they 2022, did. it was non-existent. So, uh, you know, w- Let's take one more. Emma, if we would, let's take a look at the the wide receiver options. So now we we got this the three main receivers. Let's let's maybe get six to seven guys that we think make this team. Well, I mean, if, goodness, uh, if Hopkins is gone, I, you got to go Brown, Moore, Dorch, Pascal, Wilson. Ah, oh, man. Javon Wims has some good size. Andre Bacellia. I, I mean, outside of Andre Bacellia, all the, the rest of the guys on the bottom half of this list from from, from Wims down to Cobbs are all over six feet. Hmm. Maybe Bacellia, there's an opportunity I, to I would just somebody think, else I, in then. Bacellia just seem, reminds me so much of the older team and regime. I just don't – I think he's just got – He's he's right now down 0-2 in the count. Well, it's, it's tough. Um, I, I think you can make an argument, Bo, this is like the defensive line group where like a lot of these names might be interchangeable in August. So we've got, let's see, two, four, five solid guys, if you're not counting Hopkins, from Brown, Moore, Dorch, Pascal, and Wilson. 
and then you're looking for one to two more guys max. I don't I don't know if they'll carry seven wide receivers. Probably, probably six. Not. Yeah, they'll probably carry six, maybe an extra tight end. And, and Wims was a carryover from the previous season. He was practice squad at the end of the year. So is it going to be an Arius, the guy that they they got as an undrafted free agent early? Are they infatuated by him coming out of Colorado, or is it Cobbs that played four years at Maryland and then had a, his best collegiate season at Utah State? Uh, both, you know. Arias is 6'4", Cobbs is 6'2", so they've got size, physicality. It just comes down to who's going to maybe potentially pop and flash in training camp. How soon can Marvin Harrison Jr. join this team (laughs) is the the real question. Uh, We're going to talk about that, and as it relates to ESPN's Football Power Index, where they believe the Cardinals will be drafting and their odds for the top pick. But first, I want to tell you about our friends at Pins and Aces. Pins and Aces, the official golf apparel partner of PHNX, and all city, we've got our Keeping It 100 Golf Tournament this Friday. I repeat, this Friday, May 26th at Dobson Ranch. Be there. Pins and Aces is going to be there. Prizes, giveaways, tons of good time with PHNX personality. Bo Brock's going to be golfing. Check it out. They make tons of quality gear, by the way. Pinsandaces.com. Polos, hats, golf bags. They've got this beer sleeve. It's innovative product that stores and keeps seven beers cold fresh and ready to go in your golf bag, man. Do you need that here in the Valley? Again, you can check that out more at pinsandaces.com, and I'll do you one better. Use that promo code PHNX, and you'll get 15% off your first order and both free shipping. But again, that's pinsandaces.com. Stuff goes quick, especially when you're rocking that promo code with PHNX to get that free shipping and 15% off. Check out pinsandaces.com, and we'll see you this Friday at Dobson Ranch. Yeah, if you get in there, if you get a foursome at the uh, the old tournament we got going on, the scramble, you'll see me out there on the course in my shady rays. Uh, I'm I'm getting in all in on shady rays. I'm done yeah. with the the more higher priced, maybe larger name brand, but uh, obviously Smart. you're not cutting anything as far as quality goes with shady rays. And right now, PHNX and shady rays are collaborating for the best deal of the season. You can use the code PHNX to get fifty percent off. Two or more pairs of pol- premium polarized shades. Get in on it now. Also, you've got the Memorial Day-, Day sale coming up. Shady Rays Memorial Day sale is live right now. Go to Shady Rays. Actually, it's going to be live in about a day. So make sure you're going to the website, checking it out starting on May 25th. You can get in and get up 35% off all sunglasses. Get off 35% of all sunglasses at ShadyRays.com for the Memorial Day sale. Try for yourself the shades that are rated five stars by more than 250,000 people, Johnny. You absolutely love to see that. Well, do you love to see this? Uh, ESPN, thanks to Cardinals, got a really good shot to get the number one pick. This is the odds to secure the number one pick in the 2024 NFL draft. This is from ESPN's Football Power Index. So they do a bunch of statistics, analytics, all that BS, uh, and they're cutting it dry. <laughs> They think the Cardinals, this Cardinal team in 2023, have the best odds at 18% to secure the top pick. But then you double down, Bo, with that sweet, sweet gift that keeps on giving for Will Anderson Jr. The Texans have the second best odds, according to ESPN, to get the top pick at 13%, followed by Tampa at 11%, the Colts at 9 and the LA Rams at 5%. But if you do a little math at home, 18 plus 13 is 31%, almost good for one out of three odds that the Arizona Cardinals are going to rep pick number one in the 2024 NFL draft. And again, depending on who you talk to, does that mean Caleb Williams comes to the desert? Do the Cardinals trade down for a bounty of picks? Where is the Cardinals' other pick? Because they have Houston's pick or their own pick. Mm-hmm. Is, it in, is it in the top five? Is it in the top 10? You look at these statistics, Bo Brock, what does your mind go to? I mean, if you're if that's your batting average in in the major leagues, you're a Hall of Famer with those yeah. with those odds. I mean, that's that's hitting at a high enough clip to get you your bust in uh, or or a plaque in Cooperstown. So, uh, look, they're in a good spot. You know, outside of their own pick, the Houston Texans is the next best pick to have at this point in the NFL offseason, and that's all you want. That's that's all you could ask from your general manager, Monty Austin Fortin. Otherwise, you're asking him to be a fortune teller. And that's yeah. that doesn't exist, you know, for him to kind of uh, figure out, you know, how the tarot cards read as far as who's going to have the the pick in next year's draft. But to have, you know, the teams with the lowest win totals and the highest odds to, you know, get one and two, that, that's a pretty good spot to be in at this point in the offseason. You'll take that. 
Yeah, and it just this draft is much, much better than last year's. I know yeah. we hear that every year, but you're about to experience nine months of probably seven to ten draft prospects be highlighted. When in reality, I mean, most of the year we heard about two guys, a defensive tackle from Georgia and an outside linebacker from Alabama in Will Anderson Jr., Bo. Yeah, and, and when you look at the other teams on this uh, that are and have high odds, obviously you, you, the with the Cardinals being there, they're pretty much the Colts. They've got their quarterback of the future in Anthony Richardson, so you can lump them in to where it becomes a luxury uh, picking that high with a quarterback in, already on your roster, right? But then you look at Tampa and you got the Rams. I mean, I think that those are going to be two teams that are going to, you know, if things go south early that they're going to try to jockey their way to the top of this draft. No doubt. Think? No I mean, doubt. I think especially those fraudulent, fraudulent LA Rams, right? Because you talk about Donald on his way out of retirement. What if Cooper cup count bounce back and then Stafford could retire at any moment. I, I, I think there's a real possibility. Although, you know, McVay, I, I think is too good of a coach to, to come away with the top pick. They, it would have to be blatantly obvious that they were tanking, but I mean, Bo, you look at Tampa, no Tom Brady, and no Bruce Arians in, in year two now under Todd Bowles. And I love Todd Bowles. Like, how much of that team was held together by those two entities? Yeah. And now Brady's not around. Is is this a four-win team? I still think, though, of all those teams, I, I, I do think the Cardinals have the best shot because I think Houston is going to be one of the worst teams in the NFL again. I, I, don't, I don't think they've done nearly enough to upgrade. Everybody who talks about the strides they made last year I think there's a possibility the roster could be worse. There's a transition period under yet another head coach in D'Amico Ryans. I, I, the Cardinals roster isn't great, but I, I do think that at least there is some star power, whereas with Houston, we, we make fun of the Cardinals front seven and, and some of their different position groups. Like Houston's roster is easily the worst in the NFL, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I think they, they misdiagnosed where they were in the rebuild process. Yeah. And they're like, oh, we're going to go trade all this for to get from 12 to 3 for a pass rusher? Not a quarterback. They, they took the quarterback, too. Uh, but the Arizona Cardinals could be in a spot without having to give up anything to have two top three picks like the Texans had to give up, you know, a, a King's ransom for this past draft. And and look, that that's... When you're when you're staring down a rebuild, when you're staring down a rebuilding season, it's that's that's what's going to give you hope. Well, and you look at let's see that graphic one more time, producer Emma, if we could. I, these teams are going to dictate it within their own division. I mean, the L.A. Rams and the Arizona Cardinals, and then the Houston Texans and the Indianapolis Colts playing the AFC South together. And it's like, what if 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 Houston gets swept? What if Anthony Richardson is a really nice player early, and they're doing some things and they're moving him around? He's mm -hmm. running all over people. And C.J. Stroud, it's going to take a while because he's a true pocket passer. The Colts could help the Cardinals infinitely. And the and the L.A. Rams, depending on who you ask, if the Cardinals would fall out of it. The L.A. Rams could help the Arizona Cardinals infinitely. Um, we know when the Cardinals play the Rams, Bo, Bo Brock, it's not early, it's late. So these yeah. games are going to have significant draft implications if both teams fall out of it. Cardinals play the NFC East early. The Rams games are mid-season and late in the season. And then, you know, I, I'm, I'm not sure what Tampa's schedule is but i know tampa plays in a division with middling you know new orleans carolina who's rebuilding with a new coach and a new quarterback and by the way atlanta who i feel like should be on this list desmond ritter according to our friends at pff we're going to get to this is, is one of the worst quarterbacks in the nfl so <laughs> yeah. i i think these are the right teams to include yeah. here and you could throw in maybe two or three other teams i would put the raiders in this mix and the gauntlet of the afc west and i i would put atlanta and it's like Game in on, Washington, and right? It, it, you know what? I I I probably think too much of Ron Rivera and the talent that they have on the defensive line, receiver, running back. I think they scratch and claw their way six or seven wins every year. That just that's me though. I don't. Yeah, I, I, was, that, I go what ahead. does that do for you? I mean, not it, not a lot. You don't want fired. It's going to get him fired by a new ownership group. Uh, but is it going to put them in a position to get uh, transcendent player? Probably not. It's just going to no. be them. Uh, picking somewhere towards the back end of the top 10, something that could solidify the Arizona Cardinals' chances at getting that number one overall pick. We'll tell you what that is, but let me first tell you about Mountain Mike's Pizza. Ooh. I just stuffed my face with some Mountain Mike's Pizza. I've been Ooh. trying to uh, watch what I eat, but you know, putting back some carbs, some za, 
You can't get me away from it. Uh, some unbelievable toppings that they have. They have the little pepperonis. Those go so crazy as far as the little pepperonis. They're elite. Uh, they've got them on their on their pizza toppings. They've got Mesa, Chandler. They also have Tucson location now. That lunch buffet. Like the lunch buffet is is a lost art. And Mountain Mike's is, is holding on to it. And they're the elite level lunch buffet. Go take advantage of them. Big thank you for them providing food for us here at PHNX uh, Sports. Head over to mountainmikespizza.com or to their Mesa Chandler or Tucson locations. Place your next order. And uh, our diehards, there's incentive here. If you're a diehard, thank you. And also, you can get a $50 voucher upon signing up. Become a diehard. Yeah, speaking of diehards, check us out at gophnx.com. Become a diehard. As Bo mentioned, tons of exclusives, including exclusive content from Myself, our many talented peers at gophnx.com. 90% of our content on the website is free, but that sweet, sweet 10%, you got to be a diehard. You can pick up a free hat or shirt for every year you're a diehard. Become a part of the exclusive member Discord. Come yell at Bo and I as we ramp up for the 2023 NFL season again. Become a diehard. Gophnx.com. All right, so pro football focus. Mm-hmm. Uh, partial friend of the program, partial, <laughs> you know, author of some egregious, uh, writings and comments here. Right. They ranked their quarterbacks, uh, entering this season. So fair warning, Kyler Murray's not on this list. Uh, it is Colt McCoy. So pro football focus ranked Colt McCoy as the 29th best starting quarterback in the NFL. This is what they wrote with Kyler Murray, not likely to be ready until late in the season. If at all, <clears throat> Colt McCoy will helm the Cardinals offense for most of the season. I have a lot of problems with that first sentence, but whatever. It would be easy to assume the worst, according to PFF, that the quarterback situation is the worst in the league, but the chances are that he's one of the better backup uh, in-game performers that we'll see. McCoy has handled 100% of dropbacks each of the last two seasons, completing 71% of his passes, and uh, they rank McCoy higher than C.J. Stroud, Desmond Ritter, and Anthony Richardson, just behind Baker Mayfield and Sam Howell. So, um take take that what you will. Mm-hmm. I have an issue with the first part of it, but I, I also think that's pretty generous for Colt McCoy in terms of a ranking. Where do you think, and I think that that's when I kind of teased, what would solidify them picking at the top of the draft is if you see, if it comes to fruition, what they put in that article, that if he's out until late in the season and, and you're having to deal with double-digit potential starts from a Colt McCoy, right? Well, I don't think Colt McCoy plays... I don't think he gets through a full season. It would be tough. It it would be tough. I mean, as much the wear and tear that he experienced, that he's experienced his entire career. I mean, I can remember Colt McCoy getting absolutely bludgeoned by James Harrison one of the first, you know, times just turning on an NFL game with him wearing a Browns uniform. Colt McCoy at 37, like, it's a different 37 uh, than than a lot of, you know, pro athletes. He's he's taken some lumps, and most recently last season he was just – just throwing around ragdoll at times. So, um, you know, 29, I don't think that that's, you know, spitting in the Cardinals or McCoy's face. Uh, he, he obviously can, there's a, he, he can play better than that. We've seen him play better than that, especially on three separate occasions. When Colt McCoy plays good football, the Arizona Cardinals play good football. They, they win the time of possession. They, they control the line of scrimmage. They, they move the ball, uh, you know, pretty successfully. So, it gets out quickly. So you, you like what you've seen from McCoy, but then you've seen you, it's like the devil you know versus the devil you don't know. I mean, you know what you're getting, you know what you're not getting with Colt McCoy potentially. Yeah. And I just, the the rationale is, you know, he can win you games in a two to three, four game span. But if you're prepping him for, let's just call it, let's say half the season, because we talked about this off air. Von Miller went on radio today or McAfee or whatever and yeah, said McAfee. that he's going to be ready no later than week six, Von Miller tore his ACL right around the same time as Kyler Murray. And Von Miller is coming out and saying that everybody recovers differently, but Von is much older than Kyler Murray. Yeah. Um, and I would say they play probably equal positions in terms of like needing explosiveness. Kyler's not a wide out or a running back, but Von, you know, speed rusher 34. off the edge. Yeah. I mean, so it's like Von, Von is telling people I'm going to be ready no later than quarter of the season. I'm going to be ready to rock and roll. Whereas the bend read, and like the wear and tear on your knees coming off the edge like that. At I'm 34 like, years old. Yeah. I mean, that's to say week six, that's got, it's got to be encouraging for, for Arizona well, Cardinals. Fans. You would think, but then you've got articles like this saying, well, he's not going to play all year here. Here's, 
we're going to have to come to grips with something as we get closer to the season. One of two things is going to happen. They're either going to be able to play up the fact that he's going to be ready and it's, hey, I'm progressing. I'm going to be ready like mid-October, early October. If we get to November and Kyler Murray hasn't played yet and the Cardinals are bad, right, and Colt McCoy is playing games, Jeff Driscoll, and it's not looking good, what is the incentive then to bring him back and play him for a team that has one or two wins? If your rationale is, well, just to get him ready for next season, well, if they're trending toward the first overall pick, we've talked about resetting that, you know, rookie QB wage scale with Caleb Williams. Like I, that's, that's going to be a very difficult conversation to have, and but we'll have it in real time. We'll, we'll know because right. it's, all these other players coming off torn ACLs will be back. They'll be playing. There's Kyler Murray's running around in practice, but we're not going to play him. That they're gonna they're gonna show their hand as to what their plan is, but I still think their plan is K one's back in October. If, well, he, here's the reason you play him. the The new coaching staff needs to know what they have. Monty Osfort needs to know which player he has. Does he Do have Kyler know? Murray? Does Do he have Kyler know? Murray to start the 2021 season? Because if he doesn't play, if he barely plays, and you're sitting there at the top of the draft, the decision's made, right? Well, I, I don't think they need to know what they if if they if they are deeming him not ready to play until early mid November, then it I don't really it doesn't really matter. They're, they're waving goodbye. Right? That's what I'm saying. Like, I know that's I, crazy. If, you don't if think the player is going to say, "Hey, what are they, they're sitting me? I'm ready to go." That would get ugly. That I mean, that that's not good business right there, in my opinion. Well, it listen, it's not what I would do. I just we read all this shit. And you see him out there and he's moving around well and he looks great on Instagram reels and, and Instagram stories and Twitter, all of his videos. And you've got Von Miller, who's a hundred years old, saying, I'll be back by week six. And everybody's saying Kyler Murray's out for the year. He's only out for the year in one scenario that this front office wants the top pick and they want the a generational prospect in Caleb Williams. Yeah. That's that's a that's a tough spot. It we're not there yet. I still think better judgment will take over and they will say, we're going to play Kyler Murray. He's healthy. He's ready to go. We got to rip the bandaid off because here's the thing. If, if he's, if he comes back and he's not great or he gets hurt again, then you're, then you're going to get the number one pick anyway. I don't think there's any downside to playing Kyler Murray when right. he tells you he's ready to go. Yeah. No, there's not. And it, it can, it can make a guy like JG look, you know, make you feel more comfortable about the, the coaching staff that you hired this off season. Uh, there, there's a lot of, there's a lot more pros than I would say cons in, in getting him back on the field. Obviously with, with everything, all the, the boxes checked that you want checked as far as his rehab goes and, and his recovery. So, uh, man, and you know, you know, this as well as I do, Kyler will want to play. He yes. wants to play. He does not want to sit out. He's had mud slung at him for 18 months. Will they play him though? If they'll play him, I think that you can firmly believe everything that they've told you on and off the field. If they don't, look ahead to April because that that will get ugly. Is, is there is there a scenario? And I think Jose's kind of outlining one, like where something where Kyler Murray would hesitate, even like with the idea that it would be the end of him potentially in his stay here in the desert. You know, talking about the O line. If if the O line's in shambles and proving not to be able to protect him, and the team is you know one zero wins at that point, does he look at this as like, hey, this isn't this isn't a good situation to come back in? Maybe you could have a conversation with Austin Ford, and, and you and could you could get a fan base to to understand that to an extent. I mean, the the tank the tank's gonna be there at the right there in everybody's mind all season long. I, I'll tell you that it's not going anywhere, but, and yeah, especially if he doesn't come back. I, I think Kyler Murray will want to come back and play no matter the state of the O-line. Um, the, but you would have to get ahead of it and mitigate it with, with K one and Austin Ford and just say, Hey, Kyler, we're, we're in route to a top pick. We're going to have to go a different direction. We want to keep you healthy. We want to keep your value up. We're going to move you this off season. I think he would be okay with that. I don't think he. I don't think he would I mean, understand. It, it, it makes things tougher for for the team that would. I mean, I, mean, I know there would be suitors, right? There, there certainly will there be. be. I mean, there were suitors 100%. for for Carson Wentz, uh, but it it does maybe 
it lessens his market. It takes his market down. It's like, hey, we I haven't seen this guy play since December twelfth. December I don't 12th think season. they care. I don't think they care at that point no? because you're getting you're getting your quarterback. You've got you've got two top ten picks probably. You've got assets. I mean, like people may disagree with this. I think a lot of the heavy lifting with like acquiring future picks is like halfway done. You you've got yeah. the capital now. They're going to flush this roster with twenty to twenty five draftable high-end caliber rookies in the next 24 months like i the, the value that's what i'm saying the value for d hop at this point it's like we we wanted a second or a third round pick before the paris johnson jr deal and now it's like well how many ones do you need for kyla murray I'm, if you get caleb williams and if this season goes awry and you've got caleb williams and marvin harrison jr like does it matter if you get a one or a two for Kyler Murray? Probably not. I think more so it, it becomes how much of the contract would that team eat so we can take advantage of the Caleb Williams thing. Again, we're speaking in hypotheticals. Bo and I are yeah, not yeah. rooting for this situation. I want no. Kyler Murray back, quarterbacking this team in September and October, but believe the team with their actions, not their not their words. Right. Yeah, that's a great point. As uh, Johnny mentioned earlier, check out gophnx.com. People were asking about BJ Ujolari. I don't know if they're still in the chat earlier, uh, way earlier in the show. Uh, Howard Balzer gave us uh, an update as far as BJ Ujolari and what you generally is the issue dealing with second round picks like BJ was uh, with the Arizona Cardinals, 41st overall. Uh, he's saying unsigned at this point is not unusual. Those picks usually take longer because of negotiations over guaranteed money. So it's likely over how much guaranteed money BJ Ujolari would get. Uh, more number one picks are signed than those second rounders because of the issue and sticking points as far as how much guaranteed they can get. Because like really beyond that that round, there's not a whole lot of guaranteed money. We know that Austin for he's a shrewd negotiator. He's a, he's a tough cookie. Kime would have just said, whatever, just give him whatever he wants. Right. But I mean, it's, he'll get this done. I Ojolari will be here sooner rather than later. I just saw, by the way, Schefter tweeted out uh, Detroit's linebacker in the second round just got his contract done. So I, give it time. Bill, uh, he was take a first rounder, wasn't he? Was he a first rounder? I thought he was a first rounder. Remember they went oh, running God, back, yeah. off ball mm. linebacker, Jack Campbell. How, how, how could I forget? <laughs> How could I forget? Uh, so yeah, I, second round picks. A lot of those guys probably felt I should have been a first round pick. I, I where's my fifth year option? So that'll that's a non-story. Like the Hopkins stuff, yeah. the Buddha stuff, the Kyler stuff. Those are real stories because we've talked to BJ Ujolari. He was there. He, he was at rookie mini camp. That's something he could participate in without a contract. And then he talked to us uh, in the media room afterwards. And he, he seems to be in you know uh, very good spirits. Doesn't seem like it's something that's going to linger. Ja'Kai Whittingham, do you keep Kyler if he goes 500? I, I, you, you're going to keep Kyler Murray, Ja'Kai, in my opinion, in every scenario, unless you have the number one pick. Unless you have the number one pick, you, you, you have to have that conversation that probably leads you to Caleb Williams. Yeah. But if Kyler Murray comes back and you win like five, six, seven games, you're, you're not, you don't get the number one pick unless, unless Houston somehow. That's if the tough part. Kyler wins five, part. seven games with this roster. I'm I'm starting to scout out like statue locations where we can now, put one for Kyler. That's what, unbelievable but what, feat. But what if what if Kyler does that and Houston has the first pick and you have the first pick through <laughs> Houston? That that's that's the that's the real juxtaposition and the and the tough de decisions that you'll have to make. I'll but, say this after just a calendar year of eating a big sit, shit sandwich. It's nice to have some good problems. Oh, yeah. I mean, this, this, <laughs> listen, there are going to be a lot. We'll end the show with this. There are going to be a lot of lists like this from PFF. There are going to be a lot of lists about the season, about rankings, and it's not going to make you feel good as a Cardinal fan. But in probably the best draft in the last half decade with the most high profile blue chip talent, the Cardinals are going to own this draft. They're going to own this draft class. And we're about, we're about predicting futures and, and giving off hope on this podcast. And there hasn't yeah. been a lot of hope with this franchise, but I mean, look what Joe Burrow and Jamar chase did for Cincinnati in a two year span, a one year span. Like you, you get the right caliber of top picks on this roster and it's this real quick. And I think the groundwork's already been laid. You know, how I feel about Paris Johnson, Jr. This, this team's trending up slowly, but surely I, I believe that. 
No doubt about it. Make sure you're subscribed to PHNX Sports here on YouTube. Got the alerts set up. Anytime something breaks, we could potentially have an emergency podcast. Anytime we drop some shorts, you'll be alerted to it. So make sure you're locked in. As far as our YouTube goes, subscribe wherever you find your podcast. Leave a review. Five-star rating goes a long way. We appreciate anything you guys can give. A lot of nice things said in the uh, Apple uh, podcast uh, review section. Thank you to everybody that's left a great review for Johnny and myself. Uh, for producer Emma, Johnny, and me, Bo Brock, we will talk to you guys tomorrow. Brand new episode of PHNX Cardinals.